Hi, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of the coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have their own hands on the marketing levers as they market and grow their business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Also, be sure to subscribe because fresh content is added every single Tuesday. Now, today, we are going to deal with one of the most basic, but yet one of the most critical issues for business creators, which is, well, cash flow. Everything comes from cash flow. Revenue comes from cash flow. Profit comes from cash flow. Not being in debt comes from cash flow. Getting out of debt comes from cash flow. Making it worth your while comes from cash flow. And for that very simple yet powerful reason, we are going to show you four no strategies for positive cash flow. I really love that title because it's very provocative. And here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we like to have some fun. And to help us have some fun, I'm honored to have with us Justin Crane. Just to tell you a little bit about Justin, he's a money strategist for business owners. He's known for his simple, savvy, holistic approach to financial planning. He advises his clients on how to unite their money with their lives and businesses. He works with entrepreneurs to create a a bigger vision for their business. Justin loves business strategy, and he's all about achieving business growth. Justin believes that every business owner needs to know where they are with their business money. Using a unique system developed from his studies of financial psychology, Justin teaches business owners how to plan their cash flow and be strategic with their business finances. Prior to founding Crane Financial Solutions, Justin was a vice president, investments, and sales manager at UBS Financial Services Incorporated for 12 years in Beverly Hills, California. Justin is also a certified financial planner known as a CFP. He received his certified investment Management Analyst, which is your SEMA designation from the Investment Management Consultants Association and in conjunction with the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Justin's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, MSNBC, Entrepreneur Magazine, and CNN Money. He's married, has three children, lives with his family in Calabasas, California. An accomplished athlete, Justin was a former junior-ranked tennis player in Los Angeles. He loves to cook, travel, and speak Italian. Justin, welcome aboard. Thank you. That was awesome. All right. Now, I've read off your official bio, but what we like to do here at the Business Creators Radio Show, one of the steps we take before we dive in, is just get to know a little bit more about what has passionately driven you. So just tell us, above and beyond the official bio, a little bit about your journey that's led you to your brilliance and passion and what you do to help our business creators today. Yeah. Well, as a financial planner, as a CFP, I've worked with a lot of clients in helping them set up like a spending and savings plan, how much money they need to save for retirement. And I started working with a ton of business owners and it got really clear to me that their business success was going to be an engine for their personal goals. Right. And you know, there's only so much you can cut back. Like what are you not going to eat food and pay your utility bill? Right. At some point 
you got to make a little bit more money and it's okay to keep your lifestyle where it is. Everyone you talk and you see is like, cut back, cut back, cut back. What if we didn't cut back? What if we just made more money and then kind of saved that and prepared for our future that way rather than eating out of a top ramen uh, noodle cup every day? Right. That That's a real big deal to me because, I mean, I personally am a minimalist. I don't spend things I don't need to spend on. I live beneath my means, actually. But the beauty of it is my ever-increasing financial independence is I wipe out the debt. I want to be free of debt. That's my idea of a dream lifestyle. And know that all the money that comes in is money that I can use to invest in myself, invest in my business, and invest in the community. Everybody has their own goals. But as you said, uh, I'm not going to get there by cutting back and only eating one meal a day and and giving my cats keep cheap cat food and all that. That's just not going to work. Uh, but... Before we dive in here, Justin, I know you have a lot for us. Uh, there is one question we ask here on the Business Creators Radio Show, and I'm doing a drum roll. Nice. Here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that we tell them they need to do, except for time and money. This is a question we ask every expert who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show, even those who are on our money track and tell us about money and how to make friends with money, how to love money, how to use money, how to profit from money, how to leverage money. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So Justin, how do time and money impact what you are about to share with us about what we need to do for our cash flow? I think it has to do with being aware Simply being aware of what's going on, whether it's tracking, whether it's um, how you're pricing things, uh, whether it's just being clear. Uh, financial clarity is huge. If you don't understand and know what's going on with your money, your money is eventually going to deal with you. Right. Yeah. What do you, and, uh, and by deal with you, uh, if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Well, you're going to run out of money. I mean, people that don't deal with their money, their money is going to deal with them. That means burying your head in the sand, not knowing how much money you're making in your business profit-wise, um, not being clear on how much money you have in the bank, not really understanding you know, what your ROI is when you invest in things. I don't want to be a, a negative guy. I want to spin this as you can have all of this as long as you just make the decision to be aware and you don't have to tell yourself everything. You've just got to get um, a good team and a lot of people to teach you and to tell you what's going on with your own money. It doesn't have to be all you. Right. Very true. So tell us, Justin, in your experience, what is the biggest money mistake that you see small business owners making? Investing too much money in their business, excuse me, too little money in their business and not enough. The average entrepreneur invests about 2 or 3% of their sales back into their business. So if you're doing $100,000 in sales, you're investing two or three grand a year. That's just not enough. That number needs to triple. I'm interested in, in 10%, maybe as high as 20. But I mean, if I could just get people to 10, that would be huge. Wow. Uh, I mean, I never really thought it was that bad. I knew that we had some issues with people not investing the money they need to invest, but only two to three percent. I mean, how do you market a hundred thousand dollar business with two to three thousand dollars? What are they doing with this two to three thousand dollars? Well, what they're doing, number one, is using all of their time. I'm sure people listening 
have read the E-Myth Revisited, where let's say you make apple pie and then all of a sudden, you know, you get into business making apple pies and you realize pretty quickly that the business just isn't making apple pies. You got to make them, you got to service them, you got HR, you got finance, you got tech. I mean, I could go on and on. A lot of people are wearing too many hats and they're spending their own time to do biz dev, to do sales, to do their website, to do their own books. And they're not buying people's help. And that's what I'm talking about. And they're not making investment. It could be advertising. It could be email marketing. But they're not investing. First of all, they think of um, the money that they spend in their business as an expense. And clearly it is on a profit and loss statement. But it's not – they don't view it as an investment where that money is going to come back. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean. And I think this goes into how people sometimes look at cutting as a way of growing their revenue. So they say, well, I can't, rather than pay a webmaster, why don't I just do that myself? I mean, I guess that's fine if you're like editing your website twice a year. But if you have like regular blogs and landing pages and webinars and stuff like that, it's kind of a waste of your time because I know firsthand how long it really takes to host a webinar. It's more than it's more than 30 seconds, no matter what software tells you. I mean, just setting up like a webinar jam, for instance, which is one of the easiest ones. If you're really going through all the steps, even if you know what you're doing, you're probably looking about a half hour to get that whole thing set up. So you tell me, Justin, how is that contributing to revenue? Well, it's not. Y- yeah. You need to you need to focus on what people's what your strengths are. If you don't like public speaking and you're not strong in that, don't do that. Focus on what you're strong at and create a team around you through paying people to help you and to grow your business with you to take you to the next level. But you got to get out of the poverty thinking mode and you got to get into prosperity thinking, which is believing that you can create and manifest your own financial life by you taking action and going to the moon by you doing it, not just like hoping and waiting that it's going to happen one day. Right. So we are actually going to get in a rocket ship and we're going to go to the moon. We're not just going to say, hey, I'm just going to keep kind of plugging along here. And one day somebody's going to give me the keys to a space shuttle. It's just not going to work that way. Definition of insanity. You got to do different (laughs) stuff. And that's that's what we're here for. We're going to go into these four ways. All right. Okay. So, uh, you know, one of the terms we hear thrown around all the time is business model. I hear that term business model day in and day out. People ask me, I can't even go to the cigar shop with some without some well-meaning person asking me, what's my business model when I'm just trying to you know, enjoy a smoke? So the term business model, what does this mean to you? And how does this apply to small business owners and business creators? Well, first of all, I never knew you were a cigar guy. I am. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, what's, what's your favorite kind? Oh, I don't know. I don't smoke cigars, but I just think it's cool that you like cigars. I'm like, all right, that's nice. I respect that. All very, right. Very, very nice. Um, but if I did, I'd have to go with a Cuban just because, you know, I'm a rebel. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. Go in more ways than one. And I've had some – don't tell anybody. I've had some Cubans. All right. Some all the, right. Some of the farm-grown Cubans are pretty good. I, nice. I had that opportunity once. Uh, my personal favorite is probably the Ashton Cabinet VSG, but uh, I also don't want to spend my entire personal budget just on cigars, so I normally go for something mid-range. But all the same, if you ever find yourself in Las Vegas, just let me know, and I'll introduce you. But Done. in the meantime, tell us about yeah. these business models, my man. Yeah, so the thing is, is the business model is how do you make money doing what you do? Are you Do you use um, – leverage and scale. And we'll talk about that. 
um, or do you do it like one at a time? So how is it that you actually make money? What is it that you have to do to make money? So I'm going to give you an example of what I would think would be a bad business model versus a better business model. Right. And look, I hate to bash realtors. I love them, but their business model, in my opinion, is very hard. They work super duper hard. Most of the time all by themselves, they, they might have an assistant or a buyer's agent, but they're working very, very hard. It's not like an eight to five job. They're up 18 hours a day answering phone calls from clients in escrows and they get paid one time. Right. And they're on to that. It's like someone who sells insurance or it's like an attorney that creates an estate plan for someone. You're getting paid one time and then you're done. You're kaput. You got to go back to the, you know, the pipeline and get another person. I'm interested in continuity of revenue. I'm interested in recurring revenue. I want consistency. So look, if we're going to talk about Apple, that's a simple one. You know, people buy a computer and they upgrade it every three or four years. But what they're now getting into is this big services business, apps, radio, upgrades. That's recurring cash flow that's monthly or a gym membership, anything that's recurring cash flow where you get scale and leverage is much, much better. Let me just make sure people get scale and leverage. Okay. So if I'm a realtor and I'm working with one client and driving them around and helping them, I can't work with anyone else. My time is with that one person. But what if I had a twin brother who was working as well and driving the other client along trying to find a house? Now there's one of me driving two people around, right? Or two of me, depending on how you think of it. The point is, is scale and leverage is about investing just a little bit more and getting a lot more. That's what it is. So a lot of people don't have that. They're either working one-on-one, they're trading hours for dollars, they don't have any leverage. Maybe they're in a service business, a lot of service providers. It's very hard for them to get leverage. I do that because I coach a group of people on one call for one hour. So I could coach 50 people or 10 or one. That's the leverage that I'm talking about. That's a business model that I'm interested in. That's a profitable business model. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioned realtors because we've actually had some realtors who have been guests on the Business Creators Radio Show. We have a number of listeners who are realtors. And what most of them tell me, the reason why they tune in or the reason why they're on my guest stage is because they have moved beyond that model of I'm going to do one closing at a time. I'm going to take my one-time commission and that's it. So they're investing in properties. When things cross their desk, they're buying up some of their own. So they are using the realtor business as leverage to build recurring revenue through ownership of rental properties and other such things. So there are yes. some that get it, but to your point, the uh, the image we have when we hear the word realtor, which is somebody running around at 150 miles an hour, and they literally have the cell phone super glued to their ear, and it's like they go 18 hours a day, and you find out their commissions are 100 bucks, and you kind of feel sorry for them in a way. Uh, and they hustle, but they hustle the wrong way, if you ask me. Uh, my most recent experience with realtors is when I was moving out of my townhouse um, two years ago. And uh, the terms of the lease stated that once I gave my notice, I had to make the property available within reason. 
to realtors looking to show new renters the property. And I, and I tell you, I mean, I, my phone started blowing up and they would call me when they were outside the door wanting to know if they could come in right then. Or if mm -hmm. I didn't call back in 10 minutes to say, uh, hello, Adam, I'm a realtor and I need to get in your place. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. the desperation. That's because they're, yeah, I mean, chasing, they're yeah. chasing that $150 commission they were going to get off running my townhouse. It just wasn't right. And, 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 and I hope our realtors are listening to what Justin is going to share with you. So uh, what I'd like to do before we get to these four note strategies for positive cash flow, I love that so much, yeah. is let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about bookkeeping. Because you mentioned entrepreneurs bury their head in the sand. They have no idea what the heck's going on in their business. So tell us about working with a bookkeeper and working with an yeah. accountant, how we make all that work. Well, number one, we should not be doing our own books. We should not be um, doing our own taxes. We should not be performing brain surgery on ourselves. We need to hire right. specialists. We didn't get into business to do our own books. So get right with the fact that if you're making apple pie, Make apple pie, but don't do your own books. Um, here's the thing with bookkeepers and accountants. I love them. They're great. I refer a ton of business to them, but they are more reactive. They're not proactive. Um, they're into doing, okay, well, these are what your profits are, or this is how much you owe in taxes. But I'm interested in forecasting. That's number one. That's a biggie. And the second thing is, is, a lot of them don't really um, teach slash explain to their clients what the F is going on with the money. Clients, these pe right. people need to know like what's going on. So you need to establish clear lines of communication with the, with the accountant and with the bookkeeper as to how your business is going. And I'll talk more about that in item number one in the, the, the four ways to grow your cash flow. But we want someone that's proactive, and then if you feel that your accountant or bookkeeper could really give two about you, <laughs> then move on. I am giving you permission right now to leave and find someone whose first question to you is, tell me about you. Tell me about your business. Why are you doing what you're doing? What is it that you love about your business? I'm not interested in someone saying, I've been in accounting for 32 years and we have over $4 billion of our clients, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about that? It's about you. It's not about the accountant or the bookkeeper. So if you don't feel that they don't sincerely care about you, you got to move on. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Now, I don't want to say the company name, but I think a lot of our listeners are going to know who I'm talking about. Uh, but when I log into social media, in fact, I see it right now. I On one of my computer screens, I'm on my Facebook feed, and I see it right now. There's an ad by a certain company that says, meet your new bookkeeper. Yeah. I Are you saying we probably shouldn't invest in something like that? Well, you know what? It, it really, really depends. Right. Uh, look, financial literacy, I'm all about that. But yes. like – we like that's great but in order to have financial literacy like two people have to talk one person has to pay attention the other one has to teach and explain and and the person that's receiving all of the rate the listeners you got to be engaged i'm talking about like i want you to have a glass of wine with one of adam's cigars and i want you to chill right. and i want you to take it in but be present is what's going on yeah yeah that that's very good advice 
Now, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to shift gears again, and we're going to get to these four strategies for positive cash flow, but I want to pivot once more. And now let's talk about pricing. Uh, how should business owners price their stuff? I think I've been asked three times this week, uh, uh, Adam, what should I charge for my coaching services? So how do we price it? Well, there's two things that are going on. One is pricing it for a profit. And uh, the other one is – this is actually one of the ways. So can we go into one of the ways now? Is that cool? I think our audience loves snacks, so let's dive right in. Yeah, okay. So this is number two. Here's the deal with pricing. Everyone knows you have to set a price to make a profit. Like we know that. I mean and if you're not, then you need to. And you may not make be making a profit based on your sales because there's you – know, there's um, – costs that go into providing a service or selling a product or something like that. But you need to make sure that you're making money. So you, right. if you're, if it costs, if your overhead is five grand a month, you need to make $5,001 a month just to make a profit. And I just want to keep that simple. I'm not getting into salaries or distributions or any of that stuff, but above and beyond that, I mentioned, or you mentioned in the beginning that I was trained by financial psychologists. This is where you got to get creative and understand from the buyer's perspective, how are they thinking and how do they make decisions about buying? Now, most people, when they see an offer, are crazy confused. The offer doesn't make sense. They don't really know what they're getting. And the next thing they want to do is throw up in a brown paper bag. This is the way that we need to look at offers. I'm sure many of you have gone on to Southwest and booked a flight. Yep. When you go on to Southwest Airlines, they give you not one option. They used to give you one option, but then someone got smart over there and they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to give them four options or three. Now the brain, when the brain sees more than one option, the brain thinks that they can have a choice. They feel a little bit more empowered. They feel like they're in the driver's seat. And the most important thing is they can compare price one from price two, and the brain has context. So when you're going on to Southwest and you see, you know, priority boarding A is only $10 more than priority B or no weight or, or a big weight or whatever, you might spend that extra 10 bucks because you'll be like, you know what? It's only 10 bucks. I get a free bag, blah, 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 whatever. So when you're trying to grow your cash flow, steer people to the price the offering that appears and has the most value to a buyer. You know, it's funny you bring up Southwest Airlines because I'm uh, I'm doing a quick search on Southwest here. I'm just doing like an imaginary flight mm -hmm. I'm going to take here. Just give me one second because I want to be able to read this off the screen properly. Because uh, you mentioned the thing about where you can do the express check-in. You get the free bag. You get the priority boarding. You get the automatic check-in. And in order to get in the A category on Southwest, you kind of have to do that automatically, as I learned the hard way, thinking I'd just skip the 10 bucks and found myself in B, which means middle seat territory. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to be an A on Southwest, you're paying the extra 10 bucks. So you don't care about the middle seat, that's fine. Don't pay the 10 bucks. But if you want now or you want a window or you want some choice over here you're sitting next to, you go A. So uh, I go to, uh, I did an imaginary search from Las Vegas, where I live now, to Pittsburgh, the land of my birth. And I see that we have a number of different 
rates, we have our want to get away, which at this point are unavailable because I'm looking to fly out tomorrow. Uh, then we have our anytime. And then we have our business select that get progressively more expensive and get progressively more sold out as we go further and further, closer and closer to the actual date of departure. And I love that as an upselling strategy and also as a scarcity strategy because it allows them to say, hey, we only have two want to get away seats left. And uh, or if you want to get away, you're going to have to take this flight at least at 430 in the morning because you didn't act fast enough. Yeah. Gets people the, off their butts. Yeah. The key thing is, is with all of these prices and let's I'm going to bring it back to the business owner listening. You got to steer people to one of these choices and you have to stack the heck out of the bonuses on the choice that you want people to take. You cannot lose money if, if you're giving away more bonuses. You can give away stuff that doesn't cost you that much or that's free, but make it real, real easy for people to see, oh, you know, option B is the best one because it's only $5 more. And I like to have a 5 to 10% swing between A and B option B is only, you know, five or 10% more. And I'm getting all of this extra stuff. Why would anyone buy option A? Right. So people like non business people and just like psychologists and like thought leaders, they look at this stuff and this is what they teach companies on how to price their stuff. And by the way, you think I'm making this up? I just read this, not like yesterday, but I read this and I incorporated it into my business with different price points, stacking the bonuses. And then this other issue, it's a little harder to explain on a show. You need to see it, you know, on a, on a screen, but if you know how, when you go and you want to buy something and they give you like three options with the check marks, and then you can see option a has two check marks. Option three has four. You follow me, Adam? Oh, I follow you. Know, yeah. All the way. This is what we need to do. People. We need the check mark thingamajiggy. I don't want you to write all of your your um, your content and then a price and then more content and then a price. If you put a heat map on your site and you you'll watch people scrolling up and down and they're like, I don't get it. I don't. Where's the value? I don't know which one to choose. And then five seconds later, they're gonzo and you just lost the, the sale. It's Kaputniksville. You want to keep people? Do the check mark thing. Go with a five to ten, five to ten percent price hike. And, and make it very, very clear to people where the best value is. Yeah, you introduced something there where between your option A and your option B, where if option B is the preferred option, that you make the price maybe 5 to 10% more, and then you stack on the bonuses. We yeah. discover that a lot when we're dealing with like information products and things of that variety, seminar registrations. And what we call it here at the Business Creators Institute, we call it uh, front-loading the price and back-loading the value to lead to basically the same result you described, yeah. mm -hmm. which is why the heck would somebody not upgrade? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like ridiculous. But you structure it in such a way where, as I said, you front load the price and you back load the value so that those bonuses that you are giving, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're awesome bonuses. And yep. maybe you're only giving 10 of those bonuses away. Whatever. Whatever type of scarcity you're going for is fine. But the idea being is it costs you little to nothing by the time you've done your pricing to put out those bonuses. So you're not really losing much of anything. And if they only take the basic or the A level, then or the C level, depending on how you look at that scale, uh, you know, you're making almost the same money either way. Yeah, I, exactly. Um, I, I, I got to just bring it back one more time to the customer or the prospect in their mind 
yes. what they're going to do. It's like if you go to a hotel and they're like, we got the garden view for 100 or the pool view for 120. You're going to be like pool all the way. Pool, it costs, yeah. it, it costs them nothing. There's no extra cost for them. They're just – so we all upgrade like that. We like things. We like things that are a little bit nicer. Who doesn't? Right. Yeah, and it's easy for us to justify, hey, I had a really good day. I think I'm going to treat myself. Or, hey, yeah. I had a really bad day. I'm going to treat myself. Yep. You give, you give, you show them the irresistible value. They will find their emotional reasons and back it up with logic later if mm -hmm. they even get to that point. Very good. I agree. Absolutely. So now at this point, you know, we're about halfway through here. We're chugging along very nicely. And, uh, You've been uh, threatening us with four-note strategies for positive cash flow. You just showed us number two. So let's bring it back and go back to number one. Yeah, the first thing is tracking. Now, I know as soon as I say tracking, everyone's energy drops, and they're like, oh, boy, here he's starting with the tracking. Like he's going with that. Google Analytics. Well, <laughs> I'm talking more about profits and cash and ROI and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't even know about that Google Analytics stuff. I hire people to do that and to tell me what's going on with that. But getting back to the bookkeeper, um, you need to tell the bookkeeper what it is you want that person to track so that they can do the tracking for you and just email you and say, hey, you did this. So I'm going to go with, I don't know, three or four examples. Let's say that you're an interior designer or you're an event planner. Now, both of those kind of people, they obviously make sales, but the way that an interior designer can make money is they buy a table for you know a certain amount of money, and then they mark it up, and then that's how they make money. They buy it at cost, they mark it up, and that's what they make. That difference between what they buy and sell is called a gross profit. Right. Or if you're an event planner, like you're putting on an event, your client pays you a certain amount of money, you got to go out and buy all the linens and get the food and you're just charging them one price, the difference between what the client pays you and what it costs you to go buy all that stuff is the gross profit. So if you're dealing with inventory or, or a certain kind of service like an event planner or an interior designer, or you have coaches under you that are coaching below you, gross profit's a key number. So you can track that if you want, or you can just say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Bookkeeper, email me my gross profit every month. And that's the money that you make before you pay your your recurring expenses, your overhead and all that. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about with tracking. It's not like I want you to know, you know, how much money you spent on ink toner this month. I'm talking about the key things for a business owner. So that is one. Another one, I don't care what business you're in, cash. You have to track cash. This is about cash flow. So we might as well track cash. Right. So for those of you listening again, you're like, oh boy, he's coming with the tracking. He's talking about cash, blah, blah, blah. Track the cash and just look at your bank account every week. You can log in yourself. Just write down the amount of money that you have. Right. As simple as that. And then you want to have an emergency fund for the cash. So maybe that's one month of business expenses. Maybe if it, maybe it's two. So track your cash. Right. Now, uh, let's go with one more example. Or you want to pick a, a, a profession, and I can give you an example. 
on what needs to be tracked, or you want me to make another one up? Uh, make another one up, and if I think of one, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in afterwards. Okay, so let's say that you are... Um, oh, let's just say that you're um, a realtor. Oh, we talked okay. about realtors, right? That's good. So the things that you're going to want to track for a realtor... You know, definitely profits like all of us. We want to track profits, but sometimes you have to track the things that will drive sales, not just the result of the sales. So it's like, if you want to lose weight, you can get on the scale every day and see how much you weigh, or you can track how many calories you eat and how many, you know, miles you run. So if you're a realtor, you would want to track your listing presentations or your, um, maybe your, your, prospect calls that you have one call, you know, when you're getting introduced to someone, those are the kind of things that you're going to want to track, which are going to drive sales. So sometimes yeah. it's, I mean, we can all track those things, but I, I want to make it clear that it's not just about tracking the result. It's about tracking the input or the driver of that result. Right. Okay. I thought of a business. Uh, and as, as I'm sitting here uh, on a nice Tuesday morning and I look over and I see my see my cat sitting on a little cat bed next to the desk, uh, really working her tail off, taking a nap. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, cat sitters. There are a ton of people who do dog sitting and cat sitting. Uh, what about a business like that? Because I can tell you by having run the numbers myself, that's a that's pretty lean margins, or at least can be if you're not doing it right. Um, I think it would be, if I owned a cat sitting business, I would not be the one walking the cats. I would have people under me walking the cats and taking care of the cats. Right. So I would track gross profit. I would track the sales minus the expenses of paying those people. And then, um, uh, and then I would track, uh, the gross profit. So that's a key number, but let's pretend you want to one up it. Right. And now let's pretend that you want to like triple your business and you want to double your marketing. Like we talked about earlier in the show. So let's say that you're now going to invest in going to trade shows because for some reason you get a lot of business when you go to trade shows and you get cats, you're, it's like herding cats, right? So you go to a trade show and you invest, let's say last year you invested $5,000 in your trade show costs and expenses and getting more referrals, right? But now let's say this year you make a decision that you want to double the amount of investing you're going to make in going to trade shows. So the line item that you would look at in tracking would be marketing. And then you'd create a sub line item that said trade shows and it would say 10 grand. Then you, your bookkeeper would send you that line item every month, trade show investment, you know, and it would go up over time, 3,000, 5,000, six, whatever. And then what you want to do is you want to look at the revenue that you think you get from the trade show. Yeah. You somehow want to bridge that gap. So that's an example of looking at one line item that's going to give you a metric to compare the investing in a trade show to get more cat business versus the sales that you're bringing in. Right, exactly. So if I can read that back to you, just make sure that my listeners and I heard properly. Uh, I look at, let's say I go to this trade show and most cat sitters I know do go to trade shows, so you're nailing it here. And they pay $2,000 for that exhibition booth. What I'm looking at is I want to see how many people I met at that booth. I want to see how many of those converted into customers or referred me a customer that was trackable. And I want yeah. to see what percentage or multiplier of $2,000 I made. And that's how I know where my gross revenues are coming from off that trade show. Exactly. 
Right. But then you got to add everything in. I'm talking food, flight, hotel, you know, marketing collateral, cost of the show, the whole deal. Yeah, so now we're easily $3,000. Then if you bring an assistant along, you're more than that. And then you know, if you're they'd be doing a hotel, uh, the coffee's $12. you got to factor that in, too. How about the cigars? Oh, in a hotel, if you can even find one that has a smoking lounge? Oh, pretty, pretty drastic. I Like when I go to San Diego for things, there are a couple cigar shops right there near Little Italy I like to go to. Uh, there's a couple places I know near LAX. I got a few places here in Las Vegas. I got a couple of places in Pittsburgh. Uh, that's where you get an Uber and you head on out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so as I said, you ever come to Vegas, I'll introduce you. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll pick a good place, and uh, I'll introduce you to the uh, the joys of it. So cool. let's, go, let's go to number three. Yeah, number three dovetails right into what we're talking about, which is investing and taking risk. And when do you take risk and when do you not take risk? So let's get back to this trade show example. Let's say you're into this trade show for three grand. The simple metric that I use is I want people to make a three times rate of return on any investment. Right. If you don't think you can make three times, then don't do it. So the trade show is three grand. If you don't think you can make nine grand, don't do it. Right. As simple as that. So getting back to the gross profit, like if you're um, an event planner or you're an interior designer or you make candles and then you've got to pay to make them and then sell them at a higher price. I'm talking about your gross profit there. If you're a consultant and you have really no inventory to deal with, it's just your sales. But many people, here's the thing, Adam, it's really interesting. Yeah, they invest 2 to 3% of their money, of their sales back into their business. But that 2 to 3%, they're taking way too much risk with it's they're they're like it's like go big or go home like you you see like the Richard Branson's and the John Paul Tejorias you hear all these people and you think wow I got to bet tons of money and I got to go big wrong these guys took small risks every day for like 20 years and they just the ones that that worked they just put more money into yeah I mean, I know it's so simple, but we think we have to be a hero when we have to jump in the deep end. I call this paradigm your money floaties. Put your money floaties on, <laughs> get in the shallow end of the pool, swim around, look at the empirical data, look at the evidence of what's working, and then when it works, you can go a little bit bigger. But you don't have to be a hero and risk a ton of money. So, you know, oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, 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 can, I, I got another point. The point yeah. is is – the right kind of risks to, to, to take are one-time risks that are small. A bigger risk, which I'm not as much into, although I have one, is hiring a publicist. When you hire a publicist, you're paying them monthly, right? It's yes. every month. And you might not get an ROI on that for a, a, long, a year. So you got to be able to have the cash flow for that. So the new business owners, if you can't make an ROI of three times your money within a month or two, forget about it. If you're a seasoned business owner, maybe you go six months to a year. But so many people put out too much money, too often, more recurring, and they don't get anything back. And then they're, they have um, this, what we call, complicated cash flow dance. It's major cash flow drama. And it's because they're investing too much money too often. I'm talking about one time, a hundred bucks. Try this, two hundred. Try that. Not two thousand a month. 
if if it works, then you do two thousand a month. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we're going to go back to realtors and real estate investors just one more time here. And one of the secrets, and one of our recent guests on Business Creators Radio Show actually revealed this to me, and I never thought of it this way, is behind all those million-dollar deals and those $300,000 commissions and those strings of rental properties where they own entire blocks while they go about their day doing their realtor thing, knowing that their recurring income is secure, are all the billboards that they lease on the most desolate stretch of Route 394. And at two hundred dollars, they're making off that billboard or that little piece mm-hmm. of industrial property, where the money they're making off a piece of property that can never be developed is there's a driveway to something else going through it, so they charge rent on the driveway. It's those little things, and a lot of these are very small investments. So to buy that billboard didn't cost much of anything. To buy that little piece of undevelopable, undevelopable industrial property didn't really cost anything. It's what they're doing with it and those little bits of money here and there. Those aren't exactly stories of heroism. Those are stories of how we build our cash flow. Yeah. And we need yeah. to look at that in our businesses sometimes too. Uh, people are looking for the one big score, the one $3 million launch. It's like, hey, I got 85 subscribers and I'm related to 42 of them. But damn it, I heard that everybody's doing million-dollar launches. So yeah. why can't I have one? <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's actually to the point where I've, in my own consulting, don't even take on those types uh, because I know for a fact that if you only have 100 subscribers, you really haven't done a darn thing to begin with. And I just, uh, you, know, you know, we're talking about where we make the most profit. I do my best work with people who've already been in the game. I love it. Yeah, that's just that's just where I am. I prefer to work with people who are already in the game as far as my hands-on. Now, for somebody who's just a newbie or somebody starting out or somebody with a plan and a little bit of money and they got some fire in them and everything, I'll do some consulting with them. Uh, I'll develop a course. I'll sell it to them. I'll do something like that. Uh, but for to be one of the five or six clients I get my hands on directly, uh, you got to already have a little something going on. And that's – and. And as I say to everybody, if you don't have it going on, get it going on. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, get get it going on. And remember that <laughs> remember two things. And I think you're gonna agree with maybe one of these. Who knows, Justin? Um, behind every overnight success are twenty years of blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Yeah, totally. And we go on social media and we see everybody else celebrating my million dollar launch, my, my so many awesome clients. And look at me, I'm a business owner and I'm in Hawaii while you schmucks are on your, on your, your computers typing out emails. Well, we're looking at their highlight reel. We're not looking at all the hard work that they did with their clients and all the struggles they went through with their clients and all the pains and the asses they dealt with and all the failures, all the falling shorts, all the, I really busted my tail on this one, but for some reason it still didn't make it, the $5,000 launches and all that that got them their trip to Hawaii. We're just seeing a trip to Hawaii. We're not seeing what's on the cutting room floor. Yeah, you know, I've actually been on a few podcasts. It's all about failures. They're like, we want you to come on and talk to everyone about your failures. Oh, I'll tell you about my films yeah. all day long. Yeah, I think it's some of the it's, best school out yeah. there. It's the school of hard knocks. It's the it's, it's the real world MBA. Yeah, I'll tell I'll, t- I'll tell you I'll tell you about a business model I made the, that I developed. It was an absolute disaster, and I'll tell you how that uh, I defied my coach, my accountant, and everybody else, and just taking that model just at the moment when they were telling me it was finally starting to, to bear fruit, and just threw it away because I just didn't want to do it. 
And yeah. that led me to something else I like doing a lot better. And I ended up making a lot more gross revenue that way, which led to more profit, that reduction, all those other things. So sometimes you look at it on paper and, yeah, it's like maybe, you, you know, you're into something and, you know, now it's finally starting to bear some fruit. We're finally starting to see some results. But man, if you freaking hate what you're doing, as yeah. you said, your money will eventually deal with you if you hate what you're doing day in and day out. I mean, and, and that doesn't even mean you have bad clients. I had the most awesome clients. I just didn't like the work. Yeah. And and those clients even knew. In fact, a couple of the clients suggested to me that I get out of it and do something else. So that that tells you it was pretty it was pretty obvious. I mean, I did great work for them. We got some great results and everything else. But man, I knew I was on the verge of a breakthrough, but I just didn't want it. So I found I something you. else and I made that work. And even as we speak right now, I'm onto another thing that's building on top of that thing that worked. And that's bearing fruit. So you just got to keep going. And again, it's the $100 here, the $100 there. And when I learned that lesson you just shared with our audience, because lately I've thrown $100 here, $100 there, it either worked or it didn't. If, it, if $100 went nowhere, well, you know, a dinner for four is 100 bucks these days. So that's right. don't go out one night. Big freaking whoop. Uh, <laughs> but if that $100 turns into 200 well, now I know that I can turn that into 400 I can turn that into 800 And the, uh, the laws of exponents kick in. Amen, brother. All right. So 13 minutes left. Point number four, strategy number four. Well, um, I see that you're real big into marketing. Yes. Um, and I think that you'll relate to this. We have to create campaigns. Yes. If we don't have marketing campaigns, we're in reactive mode and we're not being intentional. Right. So a marketing campaign is putting content out on a calendar. Right. When you're going to promote what, what it is you're going to promote, who you're going to promote. This is assuming that you guys listening market, and I'm assuming you do. But you need to have, and, and, and I don't want to be hokey, like a well-thought-out plan, but I just want you guys, like every month, I want you to write out what you're going to do to grow your business. Where the money comes in is, is you need to know, on average, each month what your sales are, what your expenses are and what your profits are and how much extra money you have. And if you know those three things, then you can be intentional with investing and saying, okay, I'm just making this up. In January, I'm going to have a big year long or big launch. It's the new year and I'm going to do X, Y, Z. So I'm going to invest more money in January. Then in February, it's Valentine's Day and my theme is going to be around love. And I'm going to do this. I mean, I, I'm just trying to get people to think about being intentional with their campaign and their marketing, and their calendar, and then bringing the money into it and making decisions. How much money are they going to invest each month? How much extra profit are they going to get? What are they going to do with that? And how are they going to plan it out? And that, I mean, you want the easiest way? It's campaigns. I okay. learned that from my mentor, Brendan Burchard. Yes, yes. I, I love Brendan Burchard's work. You know, it's a funny thing. I um, I shared a, a taxi cab with him once. I, I was leaving an event uh, where he had spoken and I was in the mastermind program and we were both cutting out early. And I get in this cab and I'm sitting next to this guy. And uh, some of our listeners are familiar with the actor Walton Goggins. That's who I thought I was sitting next to. Never uh, heard of the guy. Uh, he played Shane on The Shield. Okay. 
Yeah, a lot of people know who I'm referring to, but uh, up close there's a resemblance. So this guy's uh, talking about himself, and I'm thinking, oh, dude, I'm sitting next to Shane. It's like, oh, it's Brendan Burchard. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't know the guy from – he didn't know me from Adam. But he and I had a great conversation all the way to the airport. Just fantastic guy all the way across the board. And I've read some of his books. I've seen some of his programs. Now, there's a man with a story. Uh, in, yes. fact, I, in fact, I've studied his model for book launches. Um, it's one of the best ones out there. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's done great stuff. Right, great right. Stuff. Right. So give us just a couple examples real quick because by now – I think we have some listeners on the other end, and uh, I think we both on our own ends have the world looking to come back in and reclaim us, which is great. You know, love the energy. Uh, a couple examples of what you mean by the word campaign, just because I, I can already hear some wheels spinning among our listeners. We want to give them something they can just take it yeah. with immediately. How about a book? How about if you're writing a book? Like I have a book coming out in October, right? So you can't just hope people are going to buy it. You got to like market. So what am I going to do in August? What am I going to do in September? Okay. I'm deciding to go to New York in August. So I got to invest money to go there, right? Who else am I going to meet there? How much, um, money do I want to kind of invest in, um, in that one month in August? Is it going to be flying to three different cities to meet key influencers to help promote or, Am I going to not spend that much money in August and and really kick in an overdrive in September and create my own little event in Los Angeles to kick off the book? So that's just two examples of how you can do it. So let's say you got a book coming out. Well, that's one thing that you got to be really intentional about. Another example uh, would be um, a joint venture, someone who you're going to promote. So what are you going to do to promote them? Are you going to help advertise for them? Are you going to fly out and meet with them? Are you going to market your, you know, their stuff to your list? What is it that you're going to do? Are you, so, I mean, <laughs> you got to just get creative with this, right. but the kind of stuff that I teach Adam, it's a lot of this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's getting your marketing out. Well, how can you market? You can email market. You can have a live event. You can have your own show. You can do one-on-one stuff. You can do client appreciation events. You can do handwritten notes. You can, I mean, I could go on and on, but you got to be intentional with what you're doing and launching and promoting. Otherwise you'll be in reactive mode. Agreed. Uh, you know, speaking of campaigns, you just reminded me of something that you know, duh, I'm doing every day here is very recently, uh, just at the beginning of August, uh, we launched a new blog called The Morning Adam. And, and and that is a campaign. The reason why we launched a blog called The Morning Adam, even though we already have the Business Creators Institute blog, which we use to market through LinkedIn to attract our prospects and customers there. And we already have the Business Creators Radio Show. BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com is a blog. We use WordPress functionality to promote our episodes and have our unique thing where we have the author profiles and the guest profiles and attach the episodes to who the guest was and things like that. So that has blog functionality. We have it going out through RSS syndication. But I started the morningadam.com because I wanted a platform where I could talk about marketing, about persuasion, about copywriting, about uh, communication, about surviving the election on social media, and all the other stuff I wanted to talk about in my own way. But I'll tell you, there's an even bigger reason. Because when I go to conferences, when I go to networking events, 
Justin, I freaking hate elevator speeches. <laughs> I don't want to explain how we help you win at the game of business and marketing. That's our tagline. I don't want to say more than that. Uh, people yeah. get it. They tune into a few episodes of this show. They understand what we're doing. They look at the Business Creators Institute website, businesscreatorsinstitute.com. They get it. I don't want to have that same flipping conversation 95,000 times. And really, yeah. I'm just having an introvert overload need to go back to my room. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm wearing a shirt that has my cartoon image of the morning atom and I have my logo, the morning atom, people see the morning atom around the internet because we're promoting it very aggressively. And they come up to me and they say, oh, you're the morning atom. Absolutely. Now I don't ha now I don't have to give a frippin' elevator speech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another thing about a campaign is uh, we haven't talked about diversifying revenue streams for, yeah. you know, just profitability and stuff. Well, I want everyone to think about something else that they could offer that's a tangential, you know, complementary kind of a thing to what your core product is. Right. And that could you could get a campaign all around that. Yeah. So, I mean, let me give you you want me to give you another example? Yeah, we got a, we got about 30 seconds before I turn oh. over the stage to you, but give us a quick example. Yeah, okay. So if Take you're a, a Take so a minute if you need to. So if you're a realtor, I know that, you know, one way to diversify your income is by buying income properties. But if the real estate market gets killed, your business will get killed and so will the income properties. So I do believe also that you want to diversify. But what about creating a business like a home organizing business? Right. If you're in everyone's home, you can help them organize or a moving business. Right. All of those kind of things you can create through a campaign. Right. Simple. I mean, just just use just create some content, find someone to go do it, uh, find the pain and then just hit that. Right. And these are all timeless needs. Everybody needs a moving company. Everybody needs this, that or the other thing. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I mean, think about that. Like if you're. You know, and I and I hate to say this, Justin, but you know, I, I go out in the parking lots and people come up to me and they're always trying to hit me up for a dollar. And I don't want to be unsympathetic, but just because of the experiences I've had and what my survival plan would be if it ever came to that or anything like that, I know that as long as I can get on a stable internet connection, I can make money right now. I love it. It can be done. There is something I can do that at minimum would give me enough food and money to, to buy a meal. So when I see somebody driving up, uh, intercepting me while I'm just trying to get to my car to go home, they're driving this $45,000 SUV and they're begging me for $2 because their gas tank is so low, they're literally not sure they're gonna make it to the gas station, which we both can see right across the streets. Mm -hmm. Either they're just unbelievably brazen scammers or they got their priorities a little out of whack. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think it's, it's you got to be congruent. I mean, you really, really have to be. Seriously. So we're near the top of the hour. We have exactly uh, three minutes before we're done. And what I want to do, Justin, is I want to turn over for one of those minutes or so. And just for our listeners who are on the edge of their seat, looking to take things to the next level, looking to discover more, uh, just tell us more how they can uh, – they can interface and interact with you. Yeah, um, they can go to my site, which is jcrane.com. That's J-K-R-A-N-E.com. Yep. And there's some info there. And I got this book, which is hilarious. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, it's called Money, You Got This. Just go to jcrane.com forward slash pre-order. That'll stay on there for a little bit. 
Right. Um, and you can go there as well. But either one of these or just find me somewhere and let's connect. Okay, very good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I happen to know that you're available on social media. You and I have connected there. Um, you know, Facebook. I think you're on Twitter too. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of different places we can get you. And I've seen you on LinkedIn as well. We'll make sure we uh, do a connection request and those types of things. So you're yes. a pretty accessible guy, and you've also been seen around. I mean, uh, what I love about you, among other things, is I go to jcrane.com. Beautiful website, by the way. Absolutely Thank love you. it. And you have the media logos, Score, MSNBC, CBS, and Fox Business. You know, the joke about those is, uh, is uh, you know, I paid $2,000, and I was mentioned on some affiliate uh, just north of Ottumwa, Iowa, at 3 o'clock in the morning. But if you <laughs> scroll down, we see Justin Crane on MSNBC. The real That's deal, right. folks. This is the real deal right here. This is the guy you got to listen to. So, thank you. Justin Crane, I just want to say thank you so much for slumming with us common folk down here at the Business Creators Radio Show today. It's been an honor and an education. Thanks, Adam. It was great to be with you. Absolutely. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please be sure to check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Just do a search on iTunes for Business Creators Radio Show or click the big button in the sidebar of our website. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.